Everyone, this is Dr. Michael Walder listening to Ask the Blood Detective, and today's show topic I call Brain Builders. So, for those of you that have listened to the shows before, you know that I cover all kinds of topics. I cover every major topic of importance from absorption, because without absorption, it doesn't matter what you eat, it doesn't matter the supplements you take. If you're malabsorbing, there are problems. To adrenal health, because the adrenal glands are fundamental for dealing with all manner of stress, whether it's psychological stress, physical stress, chemical stress, the stress of aging, the stress of abnormal aging, the stress of disease, the stress of getting healthy, the stress of exercise, etc., etc. Again, fundamental adrenals. To thyroid issues, every organ in the body has receptors for thyroid hormone, and in cases of hypothyroidism or low thyroid, we could have literally any health problem pop up. I've done shows on inflammation and toxicity. I think you get the point that the kinds of topics that I cover, which by the way are the topics that you, the audience, want me to cover. You're emailing me, you're faxing me, you're texting me, you're calling me the topics you wanna hear. And judging based on the statistics of the show itself and how many people are listening and responding, I wanna thank you for that because I know that we're getting something right. So it seemed appropriate that we do a talk about brain builders. So I've mentioned in some past shows that I'm uh, currently lecturing on the topic of neuroplasticity. So that big complex word neuroplasticity simply means this. It means that the nervous system which includes the brain and the brain stem and the spinal cord and the nerves that come off the spinal cord, anything neurologic has an ability to repair. And that's called neuroplasticity. So the nervous system is, is plastic in a sense. Uh, it is malleable. So the mosaicism, as it's known of the brain, allows it to reform itself in the, uh, in the instances of uh, disrepair uh, for example, I saw a young woman today in my office who had a horrific car accident uh, several years ago and has um, a certain level of brain damage and neurologic and neuromusculoskeletal uh, symptoms from that time. And what was amazing to me when I was talking to this young woman is that no one at that time when she had that sort of injury even discussed nutrition. It's nutrition, in my opinion, that is the main promoter of neuroplasticity or brain repair. So today's show will review the top seven or eight or so nutrients that have been the most demonstrated in my clinical practice over 28 years and also um, in the medical and nutritional uh, literature for their ability to maximize nervous system recovery. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, I didn't have a car accident. 
I did not have uh, d- that sort of horrific damage to my nervous system. I got it. Most of you, thankfully, have not had that sort of damage. But we all, well, some of us more than others, have a certain amount of brain damage every single day. And there's a condition known as minimal brain dysfunction, which means a person just forgets those keys once too often and doesn't remember what they had for breakfast and forgets names. And the brain may show on MRI imaging, which is a brain scan, some atrophy or shrinkage. And in traditional healthcare, this is considered just, you know, part of aging, except it's not part of aging because if it were, the majority of people who age, which is all of us, uh, would have some degree of it and we don't. But there are too many of us out there that can't quite remember names, that can't quite learn the way that they did. And also the body, the physical body, other than the brain, mental functioning, memory, the acquisition of new memories, for example, uh, emotionality, these sorts of things are examples of brain and nervous system decay, of dysfunction. Now, most neurologists who know anything in the field of neurology will tell you that uh, there are no medications that effectively manage minimal brain dysfunction or the sort of ADD type symptoms that lots of individuals uh, seem to have. The medications today for Alzheimer's disease, for example, uh, they are a failure. They do not work. Uh, That is not a holistic um, perspective that is known to be true, but they are still prescribed because medicine has no response to that. However, there are, I would say, possibly even a hundred or more nutrients that have been shown to slow down the rate of brain atrophy. And by the way, I was, I was in the middle of, of commenting that brain dysfunction can cause body dysfunction. For example, it is very common for people as they age to become more constipated than they have ever been. And constipation means that things are not evacuating from the colon, the large intestine, like they once were. And the colon gets its nerve supply from the spinal cord. Uh, which is a continuation upward of the brain. So the entirety of the nervous system that decays as we get older can cause constipation. So persons with dementia, persons with minimal brain aging, persons with Parkinson's disease, they tend to have constipation. And very few of these individuals that I see, when they tell me that they have constipation and they're over 60, almost none of them are aware that that is most likely caused by the aging of their nervous systems. But this is not a show about constipation, not only that. It's a show about how to use these different nutrients to build your brain. So what I'm gonna do is begin to talk about the major neuroplastic nutritional agents 
And I'm going to focus today, though, mostly on nutritional factors in terms of supplements because when we're dealing with this sort of age issue, in other words, um, if you are over 60, you definitely have neurologic compromise. Uh, you may not realize it. And when you do realize it or others around you tell you about it, that means that a certain amount of damage accumulated and then that entirety of damage, one day there's a little more damage than the next, the more damage adding up. And then finally, some quote unquote minor symptom shows up after years of damage. Again, it could look like constipation. It could look like uh, you stopping in the middle of a sentence because you forgot what you were going to say. You forgot where you put things. You find yourself in a room of your house wondering what you're doing there. These types of symptoms. So if you're able to, to write a few of these down, it would probably be a good idea because you know something, when you write something down and you think about that thing and you're using your hands to write something, you, you are promoting brain plasticity. You are promoting use of the various neurons and the various centers of your brain uh, and nervous system to work more in specific ways. And that is what keeps your brain younger. However, you can practice things and write things and exercise all you want because that's also a form of neuroplastic behavior. But you've got to have the nutritional fundamental factors to build your brain and slow down its aging or even retard it completely. So there's short-term memory loss. That's one thing. And then there's long-term memory loss, not remembering you know things that happened years ago. And then another example of losing uh, neuroplasticity and a neuroplastic negative would be trouble finding words. And then there's also trying to balance your checkbook, for example, or doing math that it, it, you just keep botching it up. You're getting it wrong more often than you're getting it right. You might have difficulty uh, driving a car. Um, you know, people with dementia, for example, may not realize that they're having trouble behind the wheel at all. But other people, I mean, I see this all the time on the road. There are people who are not identified as having Alzheimer's disease. And in fact, they probably, they may not have Alzheimer's disease, but they do have a certain amount of brain aging and they just, they drive too slow. They drive, they move, uh, you know, from right to left on the road. They're just not keeping steady and they don't realize it. And people are beeping them and they're just off in their world. This is a lot of drivers, lots of people that I know. In fact, I took a ride with someone, my uh, tire went flat several weeks ago and I was given a ride home. And this person drove about 40 miles an hour on a 60 mile an hour highway and was veering from right to left and had no idea that uh, her driving was so bad. So you cannot rely on yourself always to figure out if you have brain issues. Number one, assume that you will one day, as I do, so I take the right nutrition and live a certain lifestyle to help offset that. But if you do have what is medically described as brain dysfunction or dementia, you must act super quickly because once you have that level of brain imbalance, it is very, very hard, if not impossible, to reverse it. But prevention is much more possible. 
Also, mood and, and personality changes. Just feeling down or apathetic for you know, no good reason, uh, becoming more passive or developing a, a new depression that you've never had. And uh, these are examples of cognitive issues that reveal problems with a certain part of the brain known as the frontal lobe and also the amygdala. And that's the type of thing that you will see not just in Alzheimer's disease, but remember, you know, before there's Alzheimer's disease and before there's that diagnosis, that extreme case, there is a diluted form of it. You know, I often say during the shows that there is, for example, your right hand, we'll call it health, and put your hands out in front of you and like spread them apart. So the right hand is health and the left hand is death. And in between is dis-ease from health to death. And before a particular symptom or diagnosis can be made, there's something more subtle going on. And this is where nutrition has the greatest chance of helping to defeat the early onset of these sorts of um, mental decays. And again, remember, your brain and spinal cord controls every other organ in your body. So sometimes a person will have lots of different health issues. They may be subtle, they may not be so subtle, and then you go to different doctors for them, but they all have one thing in common, your nervous system. So it may be a problem with your nervous system. So for example, I was sitting with a woman who has what she called borderline hypertension. She kept minimizing it. You know, borderline hypertension, and I've said this before in other shows, is like saying someone has, someone's borderline pregnant or they're borderline diabetic or they've had a mild heart attack or they're slightly pregnant. There's no borderline. The only borderline exists in the nomenclature of medicine prior to a diagnosis. Don't let the words fool you. Mild, borderline, uh, pre-diabetes. You know, the problem in disease like diabetes is not when someone, some doctor says to you, congratulations, you're a diabetic. It's along the course of health to death in the disease area when there's blood sugar problems that creep up over many, 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 many years. They degenerate the neurons in the brain. They, they harden the arteries. They promote inflammation. And then you get all these problems. And then one day the doctor says, all right, now we have to do something. But that's 25 years, 30 years in the making. So it's much easier to prevent a health problem, in my judgment, than to treat it once it's diagnosed. So when it comes to the brain, it's essential that that kind of preemptive attempts are, or that you're mindful of them and then you make certain changes in your lifestyle on a daily basis, like take your supplements, like exercising. Now, let me digress to exercise for a second when it comes to being a, a brain builder. When I ask my patients about exercise, they say, oh yeah, you know, I'm very busy during the day. I do a lot of things. Okay, that's not exercise. That's called activities of daily living. And a person over 60, certainly over 52, uh, needs to have exercise such that if you're medically cleared to, you need to be sweating during your exercise. Your, your heart rate needs to be elevated. And it needs to be elevated in the 70 to 80% of your heart rate max. Otherwise, you're not going to be, you're not going to condition a cardiovascular system to really age well. And you need 
a strong cardiovascular system so that blood and all the nutrients in the blood and all the oxygen in the blood can permeate through the neurons in the brain, just like they need to permeate through the liver or permeate through the uh, renal system or the lungs or the musculoskeletal system or other areas of the nervous system or your thyroid or your adrenals. If the blood doesn't permeate, if it doesn't feed these organs because the heart is weak, the cardiovascular system is weak, you are uh, really um, undermining your attempts at improving your brain and preventing neurodegeneration. You know, um, one of my very best friends is a neurologist and we worked together for over six years. And he admitted that even when we stopped working together, that if he, on a scale of one to five, if a, if a, if a one, or let's say if a five was like the height of his knowledge of nutrition for the brain, uh, and we started at a one together, we ended at about a two. Now, what I'm trying to say is that he admitted that Nutrition is very hard to learn. It's not like you can go to a weekend seminar and get this right. So even my neurologist, good friend, who is a very smart person after six years, was not competent to practice the level of nutrition for the nervous system that you'd think a neurologist would know. But by the way, there's no reason uh, you should think a neurologist should know nutrition. They simply don't. I mean, they know a few things. They know about vitamin B1 and how that affects the nervous system and how deficiencies of uh, B6, I'm sorry, ex excesses of B6 could cause neuropathies that are irreversible and how deficiencies of B12 can cause, you know, brain problems and some uh, neurologic problems as well, neuropathies, folic acid, the same thing. That's pretty much it in neurology. And then people are surprised to to learn also, many of you probably know this, that a gastroenterologist also learns very, very little nutrition. So in medical school, there's an average of about 33 hours of nutrition education. So a gastroenterologist, because they study the intestinal tract, people think that they that somehow gives them special knowledge in the area of nutrition, but it does not. They learn a few more nutrition conditions, possibly than the average physician, like celiac sprue uh, and a few malabsorption disorders, but all doctors learn those but they don't really don't learn much about nutrition. And the nutrition that is taught is very old school. You know, it's like scurvy, vitamin C deficiencies, and pellagra and beriberi. These are, these are descriptions of nutritional issues that, you know, these are like World War II level nutritional malabsorption, uh, I'm sorry, malnutrition type of conditions. We are so way beyond that. So when it comes to nutrition and improving your brain function and preventing loss of brain function so that you stay yourself longer, I mean, what's the point in living longer, even living longer physically well and losing your brain power? I mean, that's what happened to Ronald Reagan. You know, Ronald Reagan was a, an extremely fit person. His whole life, he was into physical activity and nutrition. And he developed severe dementia. And um, so we have to make real attempts to focus on nutrition for the brain. We don't have to hope that our efforts would work. We don't have to, you know, just throw all caution to the wind and say, well, you know, I can't control what my brain's going to do. There's a lot we can control. So the studies show, my 28 years of experience shows, if you take the right nutritional supplements, you reduce the rate of brain decay, you improve neuroplasticity, 
and you can keep your personality a lot longer, who you are, how your brain works and functions. Also, by the way, another sign of loss of brain function is loss of smell. So not only could a decline in your ability to smell be an early sign of a condition known as Parkinson's disease, but when you lose your sense of smell, it also shows that you're, you have a much higher risk of Alzheimer, uh, Alzheimer's disease. And one of the reasons for that is that both of these conditions, by the way, they're essentially the same. They affect the same brain regions, but a little differently. But neurologists are trying to realize that they're really the same condition. Uh, having said that, though, even though they may be the same condition, even if they're not the same condition, different people with these conditions need to be treated differently. They need to be treated like individuals. So if 50 of you out there in the audience were diagnosed with you know, mild dementia, like mild makes it okay, um, that doesn't mean you all should take the same thing, the same doses. So, so where does that leave us with the supplements I'm, I'm about to talk about? Well, I'm gonna give you some idea of dosing, but um, when in doubt, you wanna start with the doses on the, the, the containers, the recommended daily doses. Without looking at malabsorption tests, without weighing you, without knowing what your metabolic rate is, um, without maybe checking tests of how well you absorb or not, uh, what other medications you may, may take, what your diet looks like, are you taking, um, are you exercising, what do your sleep habits look like, what are your genetics, all of these factors have a role in the nutrition that you might need. And in terms of other signs of brain decay before we hit the uh, supplements would be trouble hearing. So sometimes hearing is, you know, from an infection, but other, at other times there's breakdown of the brain, which is why those with Alzheimer's disease have a much higher risk of a hearing loss because hearing is nervous system decay. So when the doctor says to you, oh yeah, no, don't worry. I mean, yes, you have hearing loss. We'll give you hearing aids. You have neurosensory hearing loss. It's very common with aging. You know, well, breast cancer is common in women and so is prostate cancer in men and so is brain decay in men and women and that is not okay. That is simply not okay. Lots of doctors, and, and they're, you know, they mean well, but some physicians just, uh, blow off symptoms and issues in uh, persons over 50, not to mention persons even younger than that, uh, as, as if that was normal for aging when these symptoms and problems may be occurring during your aging, but that doesn't mean they're ideal and, and part of a normal aging process. So let me start with the first nutrient, and that would be actually a combination of nutrients, and they're known as amino acids. So amino acids are made from proteins. So 80% of the neurotransmitters in your brain, 80% of those neurotransmitters in your brain are made from the proteins that you eat. But remember, you're not what you eat, you're what you absorb from what you eat, and given your genetics and all your other lifestyle factors, you are ultimately uh, how your body activates what you eat. So a good amino acid supplement is imperative for pretty much anyone. Strangely enough, it would not be okay for someone with um, Parkinson's disease that's on a drug called cardiodopa 
because amino acids might interfere with the drug. But if you don't have that condition, then an amino acid complex is key because you need to get those fundamental amino acids like glutamine, taurine, leucine, cysteine, arginine. Let me tell you a few things about some of those amino acids. There are many others. So I've compiled over 20 different amino acids in something I call amino complex. You can take a look at the formula at blooddetective.com under the supplement section. For example, we need the amino acid arginine to dilate, make larger blood vessels in the brain so that oxygen and nutrition get in and the body can get rid of lactic acid and other toxins in the brain that cause neuronal decay or neuronal death. Neuronal means neuronal, like neurons, which are the cells of the nervous system. We also need things like, let's see, we need things like tyrosine. Tyrosine is an amino acid that the body uses to make thyroid hormone. So if you do not have proper proteins and your body does not break down those proteins, let's say because you malabsorb because you don't have enough stomach acid, um, 50 or 60% of people over the age of 50 do not have normal stomach acid. So even when you eat enough protein and eat great proteins and eat a fantastic quality protein or protein drink, you're not absorbing it or you're absorbing it partly. And you need thyroid hormones because they trigger the brain to work well. So we don't have time to go over all the different amino acids in the amino acid complex, but you do want a combination of amino acids that are called essential amino acids and the non-essential. The essential ones mean that they are very important. You must eat them from your diet. You must absorb them from your diet. You must activate them from your diet. And then if your body can do that, it will make these other ones, which are called non-essential, but they're just as essential, okay? They're just as important. We don't want these misterms in, in healthcare to confuse us. How many amino acids should you take? Well, the dose of amino acids for most people would be one capsule between your meals three times per day. You might say three times per day. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. I know, I know. I don't like it either, but it is what it is. Um, you need to take amino acids throughout the course of the day to keep your neurotransmitter levels at decent concentrations in your brain. And you need to take the amino acid complex in between meals because it needs to be, it's absorbed better if you take it in between meals. Because if you, if you have a, an absorption problem, you need to take stress off your digestive system so it only has to work on the amino acids. So that's why you take the amino acids away from other foods. Another important, it's not really a nutrient, it's a set of nutrients that are critical for brain health are things that help control blood sugar. So some of you out there have diabetes. That's clearly bad. There's lots of transient ischemic attacks, mini strokes they're called, in the brain, causing placking and decay, and then you lose your, your functionality. And then the neurologist looks at that and says, look at these things, don't worry about them, you're still fine, because they can't do anything about them. But it's not fine, it's not fine. So blood sugar is related to transient ischemic attacks. But forget diabetes, because some of you are saying, well, I'm not diabetic, why, why, what are you talking about that for? Well, 
problems with blood sugar balance could be the fact that, and listen carefully, please, you might have a non-fasting blood sugar level. That means you've eaten and you've had a blood test of greater than 85. And guess what? Maybe it's 85, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 115. Your, your practitioner said that's normal. Well, a study in one of the journals of endocrinology said that a person with a blood sugar greater than 85 probably has a blood sugar problem, has a very high risk of developing prediabetes, which is bad. If you really want to know if you have prediabetes, you look at your, your testing, which, call, which is called a hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin A1C. That's a roughly three-month average of your blood sugar. So it doesn't, you're, not, you're not supposed to fast for that test because it doesn't matter if you fast. It's three months average. And if you are a 5.7% or higher, you have problems. I like 5.5. Anything greater than 5.5 is uh, associated with more brain and neuronal decay and inflammation in the nervous system than lower levels of blood sugar. So how do you manage blood sugar? You're thinking exercise, of course. Uh, eating less refined and processed sugar in your diet, yes. Some of you are thinking eating less fruit. That would be wrong. Uh, you want to have fruit in your diet. It's safe for diabetics. And uh, it's not the same sugar as sucrose and glucose. It's fructose in fruit. And fruit is also filled with phytonutrients and fiber and fluid and all kinds of other elements and compounds that are great for blood sugar. So my show called Sugar, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, you might want to listen to it because I put an end to this nonsense that we hear about that like you shouldn't be eating fruit. Fruit juice is not okay because that is concentrated fructose without the fiber and that hits your pancreas like, like a hammer, like a sledgehammer. And your pancreas is an organ that controls insulin levels. So when you have the fruit sugar, your insulin levels spike, and that promotes inflammation, stresses out the body, hardens up arteries, reduces circulation to the brain, the brain decays, and here we go. And it's, you know, it really is up to you to try to manage things like this because if you do have, for example, prediabetes or, or blood sugar that's higher than it should be, um, your, your primary doctor will really tell you nothing. Um, those of you who have been to your primary doctor and you've had a hemoglobin C of 5.7, at, at best, you're probably told it was borderline, right? Have a nice day. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you want to have a nice day, but you need to exercise. You need to possibly eat foods every few hours, but sometimes longer periods of fasting are better for blood sugar. That's something I have to determine on an individual basis with people. So what do you do supplement-wise uh, for blood sugar? Well, for blood sugar, we need to maintain healthy glucose, we need to maintain healthy glucose levels. We need to reduce the craving for blood sugar and foods and, and sugary foods. And we need to maintain a healthy weight. And hopefully that healthy weight will be primarily lean body mass because if you maintain uh, so-called normal weight, but you're over fat, which is something you can find out through a body composition test, um, that's associated with lots of health problems. So your, your absolute weight is not enough to know. You should know your body's composition, which means your percentage of muscle, water, and fat, I've talked about it before, and your uh, lean metabolic uh, 
your metabolic rate. That's how you figure out what you need to eat. And uh, then you know if your efforts to improve your health are working because your lean body mass would increase. And any attempt nutritionally to maintain and support healthy blood sugar throughout your life so you don't have brain decay and, and neurologic problems and develop more Alzheimer's disease and dementia is it supports your energy evenly. It helps glucose get in and out of your cells on an, on an even keel. And also the blood sugar approach, let me say it this way. When you balance your blood sugar better, you reduce inflammation and free radical destruction of nerves in the brain, not to mention the rest of the body. So any blood sugar supplement worth its value should have several key elements, including chromium. The form of chromium should be polynicotinate, and the daily dose should be no less than 300 micrograms. Chromium is important for the production of something known as uh, insulin tolerance factor, which helps to balance blood sugar. Also, Gemma Silvestri leaf extract, also key. It's not enough to just take it. If you are of average weight, you probably need a minimum of 200 milligrams a day. If you are overweight, you would want to take probably an extra capsule of a product like my blood sugar balance that has all of these elements in it. So cinnamon extract, most of you have heard about that. And then when I question people about how much cinnamon they're taking, they're not even taking anything near what's known as a therapeutic dose. You know, folks, you, when you take supplementation, there's what's known as, and I've said this before in other shows, is something known as the linear bioavailability limit. That means you should take your nutrients over the course of a day in smaller amounts because they'll be absorbed better than if you take them in big amounts at once. And the other thing, of course, the doses need to be based on your age and your absorption levels and what medications, all those other lifestyle factors I mentioned before. But at the very, very, very least, you have to take at least 500 milligrams of cinnamon for it to have any impact on your blood sugar. And the truth of the matter is, if you look at the studies on the cinnamon and the Gemma Silvestri and the chromium, for example, the, it's very hard getting the blood levels high enough in these nutrients to make a real difference. That's why you want to combine all of these things together because they act like super synergists. They work far better together than the individual nutrients themselves. So the other factor, which is extremely important and over, un, and I would say very underrated in terms of ability to balance blood sugar. Again, all of this is for reducing degeneration of the nervous system because glucose is one of those factors when an excess destroys neurons. But you want at least minimum 150 milligrams of alpha lipoic acid per day. But some people need easily 300 milligrams and more. And guess what? If you take too much alpha lipoic acid, you know what the side effect is? Hypoglycemia. It'll actually lower your blood sugar too much. And by the way, you'll know it, you'll be tired, and then you'll just reduce it. But it's one of those nutrients, it's in the B vitamin family, uh, alpha lipoic acid, that works so, so well. I never use it alone, but if you're gonna choose one thing for your blood sugar, if I were gonna choose that, it would be alpha lipoic acid. 
Alpha lipoic acid is also a chelator of heavy metals. It binds to heavy metals, helps, them, uh, helps the body get rid of them. It uh, pr- protects and offsets and treats neuropathy in diabetics because of the blood sugar damage to the nerves. Again, the brain is nervous system. So whether it's nerves going down your arm or nerves of your head, which are not nerves, they're brain tissue, uh, you want to be thinking about alpha lipoic acid. Also, L-taurine, green tea catechins, and vanadyl sulfate, along with a good balance of B6 that has a certain amount of B12 and biotin. So chromium, gemena silvestri, leaf extract, cinnamon extract, alpha lipoic acid, L-taurine, green tea catechins, vanadyl sulfate, vitamin B6, B12, and biotin. And um, you want to take this pretty much one or two capsules with food once to twice per day, depending on your weight. If you're overweight, you want to take it at least twice a day, possibly even more. And then the next thing for blood sugar that you want to think about, you, you might be surprised at, is vitamin D. And I misspoke for a minute. I didn't mean for blood sugar. I meant for brain health is vitamin D. Vitamin D has been called in neurologic uh, journals and textbooks a neurologic stabilizer. It helps to stabilize neurons. There is hardly a condition that I can think of that is not favorably helped with the proper amount of vitamin D. Many of you who I see as patients are not taking adequate vitamin D. And you'll come in and you'll say to me, I've had my D checked, it's good. And I look at it and it's, let's say, 50, 60 on the test on a 30 to 100 scale. And that is, that is good. Except great is a 70 to an 80. And when we're dealing with offsetting neuropathy in the brain or neurologic degeneration, you want to have your blood level of vitamin D be at least a 70. Most physicians, for some reason, have missed this memo. They think that if you're, first of all, some of you come into me and your level is low. Your vitamin D level is less than 30. I had a person come in yesterday, it was 30.3, and you know what her doctor said? It was normal. Now, do I have to be a rocket scientist to realize that's, that, that's just plain stupidity? So we would want that person to have 1.3 points lower before we say, oh my God, your risk of all-cause morbidity mortality has just increased because that is the truth when you are a 29 blood vitamin D level. So if your level is low, you want to get it to a 70 to an 80. You know you're taking too much. If your blood calcium level increases, no big deal. Just stop the vitamin D. Check the blood level again. It'll go back to normal. Then start your vitamin D again, but take a lower dose. That's so rare. I, re- I, don't, I don't think I've seen it five times in 28 years. Also, too much vitamin D can cause hepatitis. It stores in the liver, causes inflammation of the liver. That's also completely reversible. I've actually never seen that in all my 28 years. So if you're less than 30 and you're of normal weight, you take 50,000 units of D3 once a week for eight weeks, then you retest the level. If you don't maximize and optimize the level of vitamin D, you are not optimizing neuroplasticity in the brain. 
So you've heard of vitamin D for bone health and calcium balance and cardiovascular function and healthy cell growth and immune system modulation, even for mood. But no one is talking about it for the brain. Now, when I say no one is talking about it, I just mean not a whole lot out there, let's say, on shows like this, except this one is different (laughs) because I'm doing it. Uh, But in the nutrition and the medical literature and the neurologic literature, it is in there. Everyone is talking about it. But I guess the neurologists aren't reading their journals because I just haven't spoken to many of them who are aware of this. And if you were to go to the National Library of Medicine, which that database I've mentioned many times over the, uh, the course of my radio show, and you looked up vitamin D and dementia and vitamin D and minimal brain dysfunction and vitamin D and mood changes and vitamin D and depression and uh, acquisition of short and long-term memory problems, all of that, you will see that vitamin D is a factor. Is it the only factor? No. Is there ever one thing that's a factor? Sometimes. But your best bet is not to rely on a magic bullet but several magic bullets. So the amount of vitamin D for the average individual, if you're not gonna go test yourself, I would say should be 50,000, I'm sorry, misspoke, 5,000 IUs. That's 5,000 international units. And you want that to be, again, uh, the cholecalciferol, which is vitamin D3. So when you take it as a supplement, you take one of them a day and you take it if you can, with a food that has healthy fats, like avocados or raw nuts and and seeds. And if you can't do that, if that's inconvenient, well, then don't worry about it. Just take it, just get it every day. Now, the next set of nutrients really is a category of nutrients and they're known as phytonutrients. So plant products, as you know, vegetables and, and fruits are loaded with phytonutrients. These are Nutritional compounds with exceptional health properties, which are found in all kinds of of plant products from pomegranates to raspberries to strawberries to blueberries to red currants to nectarines to carrots to flax seeds to lecithin to uh, apples. You know, the list goes on and on. And these phytonutrients are so valuable. They're, They're I cannot think of a condition that could not potentially benefit from them, except that most people do not take enough of them. So you've seen these superfood products before. Um, I have four of them. Well, I have several of them, actually. But the four I'm thinking about now, which have the kinds of nutritional phytonutrients best for brain, are known as uh, detox phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. I have all of my patients take all four of these phases, one half scoop of each, mixed together, diluted in water to taste. So I make sure that the quality control for the production of all of my products is pharmaceutical grade. You cannot know that based on what some company tells you is the best. So anyway, I use phytonutrient complexes in my detox one through four, and if you're of normal weight, one half a scoop of detox one, two, three, four, diluted in water to taste, you can drink it at once, you can drink it throughout the day. And if you're overweight by at least 15 pounds, you wanna go to a full scoop of each every single day. That alone is the equivalent to dozens and dozens and dozens of concentrated phytonutrients from many plant products. The next one, let me see, what's a good one? 
oh yes, of course. You, you, you didn't see this one coming. But it's the adrenal hormone, DHEA. So why adrenal hormone? Why would that be important for neuroplasticity for keeping the nervous system and the brain younger? Well, it's actually quite easy. DHEA, dehydroepiandosterone, is the most abundant hormone in the body up until around age 30 or so. Then it starts to take a nosedive. And what happens is all-cause morbidity mortality increases. There's more heart attacks, more cancer, more diabetes, more autoimmune disease, more of everything as DHEA, and of course, more dementia, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, even multiple sclerosis, you name it, everything increases when DHEA declines. If you have a history, though, of prostate cancer or breast cancer, do not take DHEA. It is a precursor, potentially, to estradiol in those individuals, which is uh, not a good form of estrogen, not to mention a precursor to testosterone, which would be adverse in those with prostate cancer. So DHA, first of all, as I said, it's an essential and important adrenal hormone. It supports healthy aging because the levels drop and we can't deal with normal physiologic stress and aging. Our immune system takes a nosedive, our thyroid gland stresses out, and our memory and our overall energy can be affected. DHEA is a neuroprotectant, just like vitamin D. So it's one of these hormones that are known as either pro, uh, they're known as either anabolic, which means building up of something, repairing it, or anti-catabolic, which means slowing down the breakdown of something. So this is one of the best things you can you could take if you want to keep your brain young, DHEA. And the amount of DHEA that most people probably require is, I, I like to start people on 25 milligrams in the morning, taken with food, and then after about a, a week or two on that, if they're not having adverse symptoms like pimples and acne under their chin and on their chest, because you're bringing hormone levels back to a much younger age, you might get some acne, you might get some hair growth. Then if that happens and it's you know excessive, then we reduce the dose. But if that does not happen, and it mostly doesn't happen, even on much higher levels, then I tend to go up to about 50, even 100, sometimes 150 milligrams of DHEA uh, taken in the AM, and then I might also give it midday. And um, I get fantastic results Uh, in all variety of health issues with DHA when uh, it is correctly provided. Also, the thing about DHA is that it's a steroid hormone produced by cholesterol by the adrenal gland. So if you have high cholesterol, your cholesterol might be elevated because your body's not converting or turning that cholesterol into DHA. Very, very important. And DHA, as I mentioned, is a precursor to certain types of estrogen and testosterone. So if you've got an issue with estrogen or testosterone, don't take it. But for most of us, we don't have enough healthy estrogens and testosterones, which help maintain not only our muscles and our lean body mass and help burn fat, but help our brains. DHA also seems to support what are called insulin-like growth factor one levels. That is active growth hormone which is a stimulant for metabolic rate and it helps to repair tissues and keeps the brain young, offsets brain aging. The next 
supplement that I'm thinking of, which most uh, people uh, don't have it on their list when they think of improving their brain, but that would be a mistake, is a neurotransmitter known as GABA, G-A-B-A, gamma amino butyric acid. And research has shown that GABA in its active form, which is called 4-amino-3-phenylbutyric acid, don't worry about repeating that. Just know it's in my GABA relief supplement. Uh, research has shown that it crosses into your brain. It's got to be in that form that I just mentioned to get through your blood-brain barrier. And it will increase GABA levels in your brain, which reduce stress hormones, which help anxiety and also pain and also general mood. So GABA hits on a lot of areas. It's one of my most favorite nutrients. Let me say that again. GABA helps thinking. GABA offsets stress hormones, which interfere with aging of the brain and mental clarity. And if you have pain, GABA is essential and it helps sleep. Sleep, mood, brain health, thinking, anxiety, all that good stuff. See, the psychiatrists know this because they will prescribe, and so will the neurologists, something called gabapentin, which is also called Neurontin. And Neurontin is used for neuropathy pain, so really bad pain. But if you have some pain and you're not sleeping well and your mood is not what you want it to be and your thinking's off, all of that is GABA. So what I would suggest, to, what I suggest to my patients is they take 500 milligrams of the active form of GABA. Not all forms of GABA are activated because if you're over 50, you may not be activating this stuff and you have to take the active form, as I said, for to get through your blood-brain barrier, which is that semi-permeable membrane that surrounds your brain and it doesn't let everything in. So you need that GABA to be in the form, the, form, the chemical form of 4-amino, 3-phenylbutyric acid, and you need at least 500 milligrams. And it works very well when you take it with L-taurine at 500 milligrams and L-glycine at 500. So really important to have those there. And then, GABA, you need to give it a little extra kick of B5 and B6. So I put all of that in my GABA relief product. And generally speaking, I would have the average normal weighted person take two capsules either once or twice a day with food. And if you are on SSRI medications, serotonin reuptake inhibiting medications, you know, antidepressants, um, do not take GABA unless you are under the care of a very well-trained nutritional provider because if, you take, if you're taking the SSRIs, the antidepressants, and you take GABA, it could increase your serotonin production too much in your brain and you can suffer from a condition which is could be deadly known as serotonin syndrome. Now, on the other hand, hopefully most of you are not on antidepressants and you can easily take GABA. And then what I like to do for people who have sleep problems as well, you take two GABA in the morning, two sometime midday, and then two before bed, but you also take that with at least six to nine milligrams of melatonin Yes, six to nine milligrams of melatonin. Most people with, with, uh, that are taking three milligrams, there's just not much getting in there. But melatonin and GABA work extremely well together. You see, the melatonin makes serotonin, which can help you sleep. And the GABA 
enhances the receptivity of the brain tissue to the serotonin to get you sleeping better. And guess what? If you're sleeping better, you're feeling better. If you're sleeping better, you're healing better. And lots of people have sleep disorders out there. You've got either sleep apnea or you're snoring at night, which by the way is sleep apnea. You're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. Persons with sleep apnea not only have a much higher risk of just dying uh, of heart attack and sudden death, but um, their brains are decaying. It's just not enough oxygen getting in at night. And you want to improve that sleep. A brain that is sleeping is healing. It's taking care of itself much, much better. So let's see, what's my next pick? Oh, yes. My next pick would have to be omega-3 fatty acids, but not just any old fish oils. The best form, in my humble opinion, for the brain would have to be krill. So krill oil is derived from Arctic krill, which naturally contains a a blend of omega-3s and a little bit of omega-6, something called phospholipids and choline and natural antioxidants like vitamin A, E, and astaxanthin. And the combination of these things are extremely friendly for helping to protect neuronal death, the neurons in the brain, helping to improve the receptors in the brain that have to recognize neurotransmitters to make you remember a thing or feel a certain way. So we have to function on those receptors. And everyone knows that krill oil is great for cardiovascular function. It's good for skin and joint health. It's good for and essential for mental alertness, for, for menstrual comfort. But most of your brain is made of the kinds of phospholipids that are found in krill oil. And krill oil is a triglyceride form of oil, which means it's very well metabolized, very friendly for the body. Do not worry. The krill oil will not increase your triglycerides in your blood. So I guess that's what there is to say about krill. And the amount of that for an average individual should be a minimum of 500 milligrams of krill of the naturally occurring essential fatty acid, omega-3s and the astaxanthin and the choline that are all natural to a very good quality uh, krill oil. So I start people out mostly with one soft gel, which will give you that 500 milligrams. But um, again, if you're overweight by at least 15 pounds, you're going to want to double that. And then if you feel that there's a memory issue going on, you might want to take two krill oils or three even, two or three times a day. Most people underdose on krill. The only contraindication or reason to not to take krill oil is, number one, if you haven't taken it before and you've been prescribed uh, aspirin or Coumadin or any other blood thinners, because uh, they can uh, cause excessive bleeding along with the krill. Okay, but if you're not on blood thinners, then krill should be safe for you. But like anything else I mentioned in the show, all of this is for your educational purposes. You're not supposed to do any of it without guidance. Now, having said that, nutrition, when done reasonably well, when you follow the doses on the bottles, are far safer in my, my vast experience than um, most medications. They, they carry a much, much higher uh, incidence of adverse uh, effects. And lots of medications, too, may very well cause brain decay. I'm going to name one more nutrient, 
And that is something, again, you might not have thought of, which is the purpose of the show, is um, natokinase. So natokinase is a what's known as a fibrinolytic enzyme. It's an enzyme that breaks down fibrin, and fibrin is a protein byproduct of coagulation. In other words, it thickens your blood. So natokinase, the enzyme, breaks down fibrin and makes your blood thinner. If your blood is thinner, it circulates better. It gets into the brain cells better. And most disease, folks, most disease across the board is associated with inflammation. You know that, right? And that's associated with coagulation and thickness. So I put practically all of my patients on my natokine product, which has the natokinase, but it also has another synergistic fibrinolytic enzyme, which helps break down the fibrin debris and toxins that occur from like injuries in the body. And it's called serratopeptidase. So serratopeptidase and natokine, along with some, the digestive enzyme bromelain, a little bit of magnesium and the bioflavonoid rutin work extremely well together. So I will def, I will usually give uh, my patients one of those capsules to two capsules per day if they're normal weight and double it if they are not. Okay. So what we talked about today was the use of several key nutrients that are required for general health and well-being and also have the wonderful potential to slow down and reverse certain aspects of brain aging. And that's according to the studies that have been done on all those different natural products I just discussed. The, the, the studies were not done on my brand of products, I want to make that clear, but the ingredients in my products overwhelmingly, with few exceptions, have been very well studied and substantiated in scientific literature. So take a look at those things. You can also take a look at my website, which is intmedny.com. That's intmedny.com. And you can look under the blog section for all the other shows I've done. And if you want to get on my mailing list, do that. And if you have show topics, please let me know at info at blooddetective.com. And if you'd like to work with me personally, I do that either in uh, distance consultations uh, in other states, even other countries, and of course in person. You can call me at 914-552-1442, 914-552-1442, or email me again at info at blooddetective.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'll talk to you all very soon. Too 